This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 240. Everyone has the power of choice. And oftentimes we don't exercise that power of choice. You know, that wonderful Beckard's formula about, you know, you know, if you're so dissatisfied with where you are, it needs to be greater than the inertia to stay where you are. Right. And, you know, there's that push. And again, there's so many people, and I'm certain I have many clients myself, that frankly, they're not thrilled with where they are, but yet they're afraid, fear, right? Mm -hmm. They're afraid of making that choice because, oh my gosh, what if I jump out of the frying pan and into the fire? But the the lesson is that we always have the power of choice. Mm -hmm. And by the way, not making a choice is making making a a choice. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Welcome to the show. It's fabulous to have you here. Today, we're going to be talking about alignment inner alignment, what it means to live a well-aligned life. Now, some of you might be thinking, now, Meg, didn't we just talk about alignment a couple weeks ago? And we did. We looked at alignment through the lens of soul alignment with transformational coach Sarah Luce. And today we're visiting with Kristen Kaufman, and really looking at the concept of alignment through a different lens, yet they complement each other so, so well. So if you haven't heard the episode with Sarah Luce around soul alignment, that might be something that you want to follow up with after this show. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity to meet me, my name is Meg Rentschler. I am absolutely passionate about what I believe the impact of leading with curiosity instead of knowing can do to the world. And that's really what coaching is all about. Therefore, I work with coaches to build their skills, build their businesses so that they can bring their impact into the world And I also work with leaders and leadership teams to help them communicate in a way that empowers and strengthens their teams and also empowers themselves as leaders, strengthens their confidence and their ability to effectively communicate so that deadlines are met and goals are achieved, and all those things that we want to do within organizational structures. And both of those goals within my business are addressed within this Star Coach show, because we're talking each and every week about different strategies, different tools, different resources that we can use and engage in when we are communicating with others, when we're bringing our leadership forward, whether that's our leadership in the family, in the community, as a coach, as a leader. And I so enjoy bringing different experts forward for you 
to meet and explore their perspective. And throughout, I'm going to be sharing my own perspective in the work that I've done now over 30 years with people to affect positive changes in their lives. I am delighted this week to welcome Kristen Kaufman to the show. Kristen is the founder of Alignment Inc., which is a unique consultant firm formed in 2007 to help individuals, corporations, boards of directors, and other groups that are similar to that really find alignment within themselves and within their organizations. In today's show, we're going to be talking about that inner alignment that can certainly then transform and grow into some of those other areas of alignment that Kristen talks about. After 25 years of corporate experience, Kristen talks about how she woke up one day and knew she was out of alignment. And I'm going to let her share that story because it's so powerful. What that led to her doing other things, looking through a different lens, engaging in different work that she was enthusiastic about, that she just loved, including writing a trilogy of books under Is This Seat Taken title. And we're also going to talk about what each one of her books addresses, because I think it might really light you up and excite you. They're, they're fabulous. And I want to thank Kristen for gifting me with her series of books. So in today's episode, we're really going to challenge you to be thinking about how do you engage with others? How do you explore those encounters that you have in your life to get the most out of them, and how you can be impacted by Kristen's journey. So I'm not going to make you wait any longer. I am so excited to introduce you to Kristen Kaufman. Jen Kaufman, welcome to the Star Coach Show. You are looking radiant this morning. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here on a rainy, gloomy day. It's great to be looking at you. Well, I appreciate your time. I had such a good time in our pre-interview, actually just thinking, oh, Kristen has so much to bring forward. How are we possibly going to narrow this into a 30-minute interview? Uh, But we talked about the importance of alignment in our pre-interview. We're going to go into that, guys. We're going to really help you think about how you're going to, how you can think about alignment, how that's going to help with connection, using stories, your branding, so many good things we're going to get to. But we're going to start with, Kristen, what led you into kind of being the author that you are, doing the work that you do? And obviously, it lights you up. So what's the path you took? Oh, it's interesting. So I'm a small town girl, Meg, you know, from Hot Springs, Arkansas, and turned corporate leader. I was in corporate America, or just corporate, because it wasn't just America. I was a global leader for well over 25 years. And one day, and I'm sure many of your listeners probably will relate to this, I woke up and I was what I now term out of alignment. It was no longer fulfilling me as much as I love what I did. I didn't love it as much anymore. 
And I think I've learned a lot about there's really nothing in this world that's permanent. So the beautiful thing is we allow ourselves the flexibility to use the word of the, of the year pivot from mm-hmm. one thing to another. So about 16 years ago, I made the decision to go out on my own. I left corporate America. I jumped off the high board. I wasn't really sure what it was going to look like. So I drank my own Kool-Aid. I actually hired a leadership coach to kind of help me sort out what it is that I really wanted to do, what was holding me back, all the things that we do in the coaching profession. And that was when I actually founded the company by the name of Alignment Inc. And I trademarked that whole concept of alignment just because I had lived it. I'd lived being out of sync and out of alignment. And then I went through the journey of becoming aligned and thus in lies the how I got to where I am, so to speak. So good. So you actually have written some books about this. Can Let's just kind of start out of the gate. Just give the, the um, titles of the books that you've oh, written. Oh, okay. So they're a trilogy. And the title of the, of the trilogy is, Is This Seat Taken? And the first book was, Is This Seat Taken? The Random Encounters That Change Your Life. Um, because I'm a huge believer that there is no such thing as a random encounter. Incidental encounters are not incidental at all. I believe they're very providential and our job is to pay attention. So that was the first book. And it's a collection of stories of people that I met incidentally as I traveled the world and basically through my entire life. So that's the first one. The second one is, is this seat taken? It's never too late to find the right seat. And again, that's geared toward people like perhaps you and me, Mm -hmm. that we were in the right seat, so to speak, for a period of time. And then we woke up one day and said, this seat is no longer comfortable to me. And therefore, we wanted to move into Mm -hmm. a different way of contributing in the world. And thus, this is a collection of stories of people who reinvented their life, in most cases, Meg, very late in life, um, in case, in one case, 87 years of age. Wow. And so there, it was fascinating to do the research and the interviews around these people because they all had some very um, interesting common denominators, which we can talk about if you're interested, but that was fascinating. And then the last book, which came out about a year ago is in the trilogy is, is the seat taken? No, I saved it for you. And the seat in that book in particular is metaphoric, of course. The seat could be an actual seat, but it could also be an experience, a person that, you know, that that was safe for us. We were to learn something from that seat in which we found ourselves. So that's the last of the trilogy. And they're autobiographical. All three of them are anchored in something that I personally had gone through. So good. And, you know, when you talk about that concept of waking up one morning after feeling like, yes, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing all these years. And then all of a sudden thinking, this just doesn't fit for me the way that it used to. That's exactly what happened with me after my 20 plus years of being a psychotherapist in my own business, you know, just, but thinking, I don't, this doesn't light me up the same way that it did. There's got to be a pivot in my future. Yes. Well, you know, it's silly for us to think, honestly, that you know, we choose something when we're 20 something years old, and it's going to be that and a bag of chips until we're 81 years old. I mean, we are, we're evolutionary beings, we are spiritual beings in a in an earthly world. And therefore, we are constantly evolving and changing. And there, we need to pay attention to that. And that's why I think we love what we do is that, you know, everyone's going through to use the term journey, but we are we're on this earthly journey. And we're changing all the time. We're evolving all the time. 
So good. So we're going to zero into what exactly is that concept of alignment? And when you think about, I mean, obviously you've written about this and you've just immersed yourself in this. So Kristen, when you think alignment, what's your sort of definition of that? Right. So when you think about alignment, when I first started my company, I kind of thought about it in four different segments. There's the alignment of the individual, which is what we'll probably focus on more today. There's alignment of a team. There's alignment within a culture or an organization. And then there's alignment of that organization to a market or to a a set of constituents. And when I think about alignment of the individual, like you and me, it's when we love what we do, we're good at it. And it's tied to something much greater than ourselves. And when those three things, I kind of trademarked that Venn diagram, for lack of a better term, because I've learned when we love something, but we're not that great at it, we're probably not going to love it for much longer. (laughs) Mm, If we are good at it, but we don't love it, then we're probably going to have burnout. And if it's not tied to something greater than ourselves, you will also have burnout because you don't have that renewable energy, so to speak, of keeping us focused in the areas in which we want to contribute. And, you know, when you think about an individual alignment, those three are the three legs, the stool. And then of course, there's always just what I'm going to call the the obvious alignment, which is your strengths and your skills and your talents, all aligning to address an area in which you want to contribute. So again, that all goes kind of, that's kind of the glue in that Venn diagram. Oh, so does that good. make sense? It does. It okay. does. And as you think about alignment and us getting clarity about that, like, is it, is this something that you work with clients around trying to be able to, to zero in on this yes. kind of alignment for them? Yes. Yes. And a lot of it is what I'm going to call standard coaching practices, you know, where you're helping people become more self-aware you know, what is it that lights them up to use your term? You know, mm-hmm. what are their strengths? And we use all sorts of assessments from Myers-Briggs to, you know, the strength finders to, di- there are all sorts of assessments that you can use, but you also use very provocative questioning, right? To help peel back the layers so that people, and we give them permission, by the way, to, yes. to say what it is they really want to do. Because so many times we have drunk the, the Kool-Aid the societal Kool-Aid, that this is what we're supposed to be supposed to be doing. This is what's expected of me. I've always been in this role. The progression is going to be a vertical, you know, progression up the chain of command or up the ladder. That's obsolete thinking, really. Yeah. And, and so we, we give people permission to get to know themselves, right? What is it that does light them up? What do they love and what are they good at? And I think the magic alchemy is when it's tied to something greater than themselves, because then there's a contribution level that is bigger than just their own DNA and their own little sphere. It's something that's bigger. And that's where that fuel comes, where Mm -hmm. that renewable energy comes, because then, you know, they feel like they're truly contributing at a level and to a greater, a greater good. And that, that concept of, of just allowing or giving permission, you know, how many people feel sort of handcuffed in those golden handcuffs or that I can't because, or this is what's expected of me, even if it's draining the energy from my being. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was there. Yeah. I mean, I was there. I, I kept trying to, you know, discipline myself through the corporate journey you know, moving from one big company to another, you know, in these big high level, you know, 
huge span of control and areas of responsibility until one day, I mean, I, I wrote about it. I woke up in the Sofitel Hotel in Minnetonka. <laughs> I woke up that morning and said, there's got to be something more to this life. And I literally, I remember calling my parents up and saying, I'm going to leave. And I thought, you know, normally, and I'm sure you'll probably relate to this. When I was growing up, my father used to say, never leave another job unless you what? Have another. Have another. Mm -hmm. And I remember calling him up and saying, daddy, mama, I'm going to leave. And the very first words out of their mouth was hallelujah. It it wasn't, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? They knew that I would land on my feet, but it was more like, thank goodness, she's truly being true to herself. And she's got the courage to stand behind those convictions. And, um, and boy, that's, that's some chutzpah, right? To jump on a single woman and you're not, you have no one else helping you just to say, hasta la vista, I'm going to get off this hamster wheel, you know? That's so good. You know, I was in a training this weekend and one of the people that was interviewed was sharing a similar story, just being burnt out and giving 60, 70 hour weeks and, and, and just decided I can't do this anymore. And she called her dad expecting the same kind of thing. Like, what are you thinking? And actually the dad was zoomed in and the dad said, she said, dad, what did you say to me when I called and told you that I can't do this anymore? I'm leaving the corporate world. And he said, and it's bringing tears to my eyes again, it brought tears to my eyes when I heard him say it. He said, hallelujah, I have my daughter back. Absolutely. Because our parents probably know better than we do at certain stages in our life when we're not being authentic to ourselves and to what, how and what we really want to contribute in the world. And yet we're letting that, whatever that record player is in our head, play over and over and over again about don't leave a job unless you have another and right. re- all of that. And shooting all over ourselves, just should, 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 should. Yes. yes. And then when we liberate ourselves, oh my gosh, you know, and we truly are figuring out what it is and how it is that we want to contribute. That's when the magic happens. I truly believe that. So good. So you talked about the fact that some of this alignment came in for you as you began to think about all these encounters that you've had and the things that you've learned from the encounters. And that that is so tied into sort of your alignment. So what yes. can you share with us about what we can learn from our life encounters? Well, you know, I just, um, this may sound a little woo-woo to some of y'all's listeners, but I just don't believe in accidents. I just don't. And so I believe that when people cross our paths, they definitely cross our paths for a reason. Mm -hmm. And our job is to pay attention to what potentially that reason might be. And I mean, I went back and I kept a journal, Meg, I've kept a journal literally since I was in junior high school. Mm-hmm. I think we called it a diary back then. Yes, but that's I mean, right. I, <laughs> but I mean, I keep my my journal still to this day. I mean, I have it in my bag all the time and I'm a handwritten girl. So I write those down. And when I began to write my first book, I was trying to write, honestly, Meg, a business book. I got into it and I thought, you know, I'm bored out of my mind writing this business book. If I'm bored out of my mind writing this book, no one's going to want to read something that's boring for the writer. So I thought I really want to write a collection of stories. And so I pulled out these journals and that's where these stories came from. And Meg, they range everything from a New York City cab driver who had moved here from the Ukraine, who basically created a life for himself and his family, learning English as a second language at the age of like 40. 
Wow. Right. To a woman in the old East Berlin back when Checkpoint Charlie was still intact. And Mm -hmm. I remember meeting this woman who was, she ran a little store over there and she told me a little bit about her life. I mean, these are experiences that are not accidental. And so my job was to listen to what am I supposed to be learning? And Mm. there were some interesting commonalities between most people that I've met. And one of the commonalities is um, everyone deemed their their lives successful, but they defined success on their own terms, Mm -hmm. which was again, a very liberating concept, right? That success doesn't have to mean the corner office and a seven figure salary and, you know, a building named after you or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't, that does not constitute the only definition of success. So that was like one commonality. Well, and Uh, and what I really want everybody to hear there is, and the commonalities are so key. And each time Kristen talks about a commonality, what are you doing with that? So how have you defined success for yourself? And are you giving yourself permission to create that story that works for you or that success path that works for you versus what you think people expect of you or what Tom, Dick and Harry are doing on their success path. So each time we get a lesson here, think about how you are, how you can potentially apply that for yourself. So that, that commonality, this aspect of what does success mean to me? Yes. Yes. And giving yourself permission to define it yourself, right? And what is it? The quote, Meg, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. And I think oftentimes, especially in the corporate arena, you know, we're sort of groomed, you know, to compete and to, you know, because there's only room for one person in a position. So you're competing. And it's the thief. It's the thief mm-hmm. of joy because only there's only one Meg and there's only one Kristen and there's only one to whomever it is that's listening to this. So whatever it is that you define as success in your life is perfect for you. Right. And I truly believe that as Mm -hmm. fervently as I'm sharing it, you know? Well, and it wasn't until you allowed yourself to explore that, that you felt this sense of alignment for yourself. Yes. Well, I think alignment changed because I was definitely in alignment at one point in my career. I mean, I loved what I did. I was good at it. And it definitely at one point was tied to something greater than myself, but I outgrew it. Well, same, you know, I lost same the thing plot. For, I yeah. truly lost the plot. And I think that happens to most people. If we're truly honest with ourselves, you know, one size does not fit all for our entire life. Entire life. Okay. So, so that was one. So the commonality of, of success, what, what's yes. another commonality that ran through these stories? Yeah. That everyone has the power of choice. Everyone has the power of choice. And oftentimes we don't exercise that power of choice. You know, that wonderful Beckard's formula about, you know, you know, if you're so dissatisfied with where you are, it needs to be greater than the inertia to stay where you are. Right. And, you know, there's that push. And again, there's so many people, and I'm certain I have many clients myself that frankly, they're not thrilled with where they are, but yet they're afraid, fear, right? Mm-hmm. They're afraid of making that choice because, oh my gosh, what if I jump out of the frying pan and into the fire? But the, the lesson is that we always have the power of choice. Mm-hmm. And by the way, not making a choice is it's making a choice. choice. <laughs> so, so that was one commonality. And all of the people in all of my books made choices, right? 
whether it yes. be overt choice where they actually made a choice to do something or they made the choice to just stay. Right. Either way, it's a choice. Do you have a favorite story about choice? Well, I have a whole book about right. choice, you know, with the second book, which is all about these late in life success stories, which honestly, Meg, I mean, you talk about inspiring. I mean, I was so inspired writing that book because I mean, I'm 59 years old and you know, I made a choice, gosh, you know, in the prime of my corporate career to try to build something outside of it. And it was scary, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was scary. But when I was researching these people, all of them, every single one of them, from Diana Nyad to, you know, to Ray Kroc, to Grandma Moses, to people you don't even know their names, all had incidental encounters all of them, every single one of them had an incidental encounter that introduced them to the new trajectory of their life. They all had the courage to define success on their terms. And they all decided to make the choice, all of them, every one of them. And sometimes that meant, you know, doing something that was against the confines of their family. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it meant um, going against what their accountant told them to do right? Because of their financial situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But they all had the power and the courage to make the choice. And every single one of them created success on their terms, because they did, in fact, follow that heart, follow that gut, that instinct, and make the decision to pursue what they pursued, which was pretty darn exciting, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. So there's not, I can't, I mean, I guess I, I mentioned some names there. I mean, they're, they all have the commonalities though. It's just how they manifested, which is what made them different. Right. So you, we all have choice. We all have our own sense of success. Any other commonalities that ran through your threads well, of and stories? Then, of course, the incidental encounters that every right. single one of them had an incidental encounter that, and then the last commonality, which is so reassuring and I think will be reassuring for your listeners for sure. And it certainly is to me, as long as we're alive, as long as we're on this planet, we have a purpose for being here. So as long as we have breath, then we have a reason for being here. And I remember years ago, I quote my mom and dad a lot because they were my role models and extremely close and special to me. Daddy used to say, because I've, I've faced death twice, actually three times in my life, where I've been really, really ill. And oh, wow. in both cases um, required, in one case, a 10 and a half hour you know, heart surgery. And, and we weren't really sure what the outcome was going to be. And I remember coming home from that surgery. And my, of course, my parents were in Dallas um, taking care of me. And I remember laying in my bed, actually, it was on a couch. And I looked up at Daddy and I big tears in my eyes. I just said, Daddy, you know, I just wish I knew what I was supposed to be doing. I mean, because you have a sense of mortality when you when you, oh, when you yeah. look at death or you even if you've lost people in your life, that sense of mortality becomes very real. And then you feel this this timeline like, oh, my gosh, I need to hurry. I need to quickly contribute and do what I'm supposed to be doing. And daddy said to me and I've, I wrote about it because I'll never forget it. He said, well, I don't know, Kristen, you'll have to figure that out on your own. But I know one thing, you have a purpose or you wouldn't be here. You would have been dead. I mean, just as bluntly stated as that. Mm -hmm. And, and I have held on to that because every time we face something, whether it be a hardship or an illness or whatever, if we can play that over and over in our minds, that as long as I have breath, I have a purpose. My job is to figure out how I can contribute, how I can leverage all of these wonderful gifts that God's given me in an aligned fashion, right? Mm -hmm. So that I can really contribute to my highest and best potential. That's it. 
to me. Mm-hmm. And so that's the fourth thing is that as long as we have breath, we have purpose. And, you know, every book I've written about some of these people, they did not really come into their own, so to speak, until very late in life, very late in life. Well, you said 87 years old for one person. Well, that was Grandma Moses, which, you know, who many of your young readers may not even, listeners may not even know who that is, but her story is fascinating. How she stumbled into becoming a world-renowned folk painter happened because she had arthritis and could no longer hold her needlepoint needles. So she wanted another way to contribute. And she began to paint in this little bitty tiny town of Hoosick Falls, New Jersey, on pieces of wood because they were farmers and relatively poor. And then lo and behold, a traveling salesperson discovered her paintings and the rest is history. I mean, the, the stories are just, they're just unbelievable, really. Mm-hmm. So and very inspiring. Oh, yeah. And I think the concept of story and how story resonates so much with, with we learn as human beings, we are drawn to story. So yes. what, what about story in, in the way that you've created your branding and the way that you have chosen to put it forward in your books? Like what, what could we explore about story that really sticks out for you? Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, I think the stories, Meg, actually, again, this may sound a little woo-woo, but I think I definitely believe I'm a channeler. I don't, I mean, I'm not going to take any credit personally. I think it's coming from a divine place and I'm just the person putting it down on paper, mm-hmm. right? I think stories have art. So that's the first thing. I think they're divinely inspired. Mm-hmm. And I think our job as people on this planet is to pay attention to those divine moments that every single one of us has many times a day. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is there's an arc. There's always an arc in a story. And um, just like there's an arc in a song, you know, and it means that there's, there's a path that we're following. And the, and by the way, your life story has an arc also, right? It may have several. Absolutely. I I call it the EKG. You know, as long as we have an EKG, we're alive, right? That's that power of the, of the heart beating. But the arc of the story, I mean, that was what was so, I think, inspiring is that every single person I've written about had icky bits and fabulous bits, but the icky bits are what really fed the fabulous bits and created the arc in their story. That's why their stories are so inspiring and so real and so accessible because we can all relate mm-hmm. <laughs> if we're honest with ourselves. Right. 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 So I think that's, I think the arc of the story is the second thing and that it, it, it's not a flat line. Well, and even if, if you're, as you're listening, if you think I want to become a better storyteller or, or tap into stories in a different way, Kristen's feedback about the arc is just so key. I mean, think about the arc of your life. What are, what is it that has created that arc? What is it that, what are the pieces that you want to put in to, to be able to help people better understand you? Yeah. Yeah. And the stories are all so unique and everybody's experience is unique, which is what makes it so beautiful and why, you know, again, I think, and you'll relate to this, many of your leaders will, there's such a propensity, I think, in today's world to embrace this scarcity mentality. Yes. Um, You know, the, the outdoing of the Joneses and the comparative battles that we make up in our brains. 
and our hearts too, for that matter. Mm-hmm. And the irony of that is that there's plenty for all of us. And because our personal and unique journeys are just that, they're personal and unique. Right. And therefore, no one will ever live Meg's life any more than they're going to live Kristen's life. And all of these people that I wrote about, you know, their lives are so unique. And um, that's what I wanted to try to capture. They may think that they're insignificant, but they're not at all. Right. You can change someone's life with your story. No question. And and look at the people who have. Yes. You know, that was, I think that you asked the question at the beginning about how do the books feed into my own journey of alignment? They were absolutely the catalyst. No Mm -hmm. question about it, because I took lessons from every single person that I engaged with. I mean, this is just a 1% of the people, right? Right. That have crossed my path, but they were the ones that came to the forefront when I wanted to capture the story. But you bet they played right into, you know, helping me chart my destiny, chart my path and still are by the way. And well, yeah. And and it's not like you've stopped your encounters. Those are going to continue to be and and your journals will continue to be written. And who knows what, what the next installment of is the seat taken is going to be. Exactly. Well, I have a lot in my head, you know, I just, Many people, I think, wrote books during COVID. I was not one of them, but... Um, no, you had a house to renovate. So I did. You had other I mean, things to do. Thank you for the tornado. You know, that's yes. a priority somewhere else. But yeah. Yeah. Bless you. So what have we, you know, in this just brilliant thought of oh. how to, first of all, be open to what's being offered to us? What are, where are the lessons that are right in front of our eyes? And are we... Are we tapping into those? That is just so key to me. Everything is a blessing. Everything is is a door or a window or something to peer through and learn from. And just, I don't know, like as we think about alignment, as we think about the the message that you want to bring forward, what have we left on the table? Well, I'll just close out by saying, you know, because I'm a, when people have asked me, you know, Kristen, What have you learned through these books and what have you learned through your own quest for alignment? And there's one thing that comes to mind always when I'm asked that question, and it is this, you know, I personally believe that we are put on this planet to learn, to teach through our actions or how we are exemplifying our life and to serve, to learn, to teach and to serve. And it's all glued together and wrapped up with that magical elixir called love. And I truly believe that it does not matter what your vocation is. It can manifest itself, whether you're a taxi driver or a coach or a doctor or an attorney or a teacher or a mom or a farmer, how it manifests vocationally is to me, not the, not the true reason. It's, it's, it's the, it's the learning, the teaching, the serving, and all tied together with that wonderful elixir called love. So that's really, and I, every person I wrote about had, that they may not have known that they had that because they had not put it into that framework, but it's shown in their life. Right. Well, and that brings up that other great point that sometimes we're too close to it to see it, but you were able to see it and put all those connect all those dots because you were looking from, from a different vision than sometimes we are when we're down in the middle of plowing the fields or whatever it is that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we've all been there. Yeah. And life does have a tendency to take over if we let it. 
So, so good. Kristen, how can people connect with you if they want to learn more about you oh. and learn what you're doing? Oh, well, KristenKaufman.com is pretty much anywhere you can find me. That's it. And it's KK and Kristen's with an I, two I's, KristenKaufman.com. So that's my website. And pretty much, like I said, any handle on any of the social media channels, that'll be my name. Good. And we will have links to be able to connect with Kristen in the show notes for this episode, as well as links to each one of her books. Kristen, thank you so much for bringing your gosh, your special sauce to the show today. Oh, thank you, Meg. This has been so much fun. And I'm so happy that um, I was able to do this and be a part of this. Well, I'm so happy you agreed. So you have an awesome day. Thank you. So once again, I want to thank Kristen Kaufman for sharing her expertise on the show and her fabulous the premise of her books and some of the concepts within those. If you'd like to know more about Kristen, be able to grab links to her books, go to starcoatshow.com slash 240. That's starcoatshow.com slash 240. And uh, the show notes will have links for you to be able to connect with Kristen. And I invite you back next week. I'm going to be doing a solo show around something that I consistently see with the coaches that I work with, how it can be a challenge. And that is being able to clearly communicate what is the transformation that we offer as a coach with the clients that we work with. And I get that that can be difficult to put your mind around, put your words around. And at the same time, without that clarity, how do we express to people, not the process, but what they're actually going to get from working with us? And that is what attracts people into our sphere and helps us build our businesses and help our clients get to where they want to be. So join me next week as we talk about that concept of transformation. Thank you for being a listener. If you're enjoying the show, please consider sharing it with someone who you just know is going to benefit from the content or leave a rate and review wherever you listen so more people can find us. I am going to be getting back in to doing our Facebook Lives. So join me on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Central and on Fridays at 9 a.m. Central at Star Coach Show Facebook page. I'd love to have you come bring your questions and we will address those. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.